Listen in the dojo and dynamite. Dynamite, put your hand in, ring is out of sight. All elite TNT, make it feel right. Put your hand all elite, time to unite. One's name Rich, the other Ashley. The number one pod for the whole family. Time to fill your wrestling appetite. Now it's time to start dojo and dynamite. guys this is ashley and rich here with episode 62 of dojo and dynamite it is monday february 1st i don't know how we got to february so fast but here we are and we are trying to stay warm after a little snow day i wouldn't really call it a little snow day (laughs) i think this is the most snow i've ever seen yeah we got about i'd say 20 inches or so almost two feet almost two feet significant amount of snow we had to go out multiple times and kind of cut down the driveway make sure that we could lighten it up for what is not even completed yet so no another snow blow tomorrow snow blowed it tomorrow another snow blow tomorrow another snow blow tomorrow yes oh my goodness but it's nice to use my new tool, I guess. I'm, I'm finally becoming like an old person. You know, it's like, hey, I got this like... An old person? Yeah, You're just... Like, like a dad, I guess. This is adulting. Adulting, yeah, an old person. I don't want to be old. You're enjoying like lawn care. No. And I'm enjoying I crafting. Not qu- I have not quite got to lawn care yet. But using a snowblower is, is more efficient than shoveling. My entire life, all I did was shovel. So now I have a snowblower, which I've mentioned before, and I'm actually very excited to use it. So I used it earlier today. I'll use it tomorrow. We'll clean the cars off. And let's see if I can maybe get a measuring stick in there. We can show everybody how much snow we got. Or a ruler or a tape measure, whatever it is. Please, please do. But... We are a few, few days removed from last week's Dynamite, Uh, so we're going to do instead a preview of Beach Break, because that's right around the corner. Yeah, we decided last week that after the Dynamite show, it really was kind of a setup for what was coming in Beach Break, so we didn't want to miss the opportunity to talk about Beach Break, and we kind of wanted to do a better preview, so in waiting for this week, we could kind of acquire more information regarding if more matches opened up, you know, vice versa. And so with that, we're going to change it up a little bit and do a complete preview of this huge beach break show coming on Wednesday. And I know a lot of individuals are coming off the heels of a a massive Royal Rumble pay-per-view yesterday, which for people of our generation was massive. Christian Cage came back in the ring. Edge won, I believe, from the number one spot. It was unbelievable. Over 50-some-odd minutes in this ring for a guy who was like 47 years old. Edge looks fantastic. Christian was moving great. These guys, I mean, this is the kind of stuff we want to see. People complain about part-timers taking spots. These guys could go. There was no complaints on our end. Good job the WWE for having a great match last night. But to get back on track and ready for Wednesday's beach break, which now replaced Bash at the Beach, which I miss more, of course, because WCW. WCW. Of course. We got beach break. Yes, we do. And we'll go ahead and get started with this week's preview. So, most notably, we've got the Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford wedding. So, we'll start on the wedding. 
So last week, we introduced Charles Taylor, who is now the butler of Miro. Maybe that was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, two weeks yeah. Ago. So mm-hmm. Charles Taylor is now the butler of Miro, and Lana came out last night during her Rumble entrance, and I said, what if Charles Taylor was accompanying Lana to the ring? Because, I mean, he's, oh, the, he's the best friend of Miro. So, you know, you got to go support each other's significant other. But Charles Taylor, who looks enthralled to be the best friend of Miro, I believe it. In my heart of hearts, I believe they're best friends. So to be the best friend of Miro, obviously involved in this wedding that we've waited like four months to get to, which I think is just standard practice. Usually you get engaged, you got some time, and you announce the wedding date, which is what, like a year after the engagement? On I have no it idea can, how this can stuff vary. Works. I have no idea either. Um, But I mean, predictions, this is likely going to end in disaster. I mean, I feel like it has to. I just wonder what direction they're going to go in. Because Is Trent going to crash the wedding? It's possible. I hope so. I, I miss him. Obviously, you have Orange Cassidy. You have to, you know, he's kind of the X factor here. They're they're sort of feuding with like SCU in, in its own way. Uh, I mean, you have a lot of directions they can go and I, I don't actually know what they're going to do here. Because Kip Sabian really hasn't wrestled in quite some time. Made me think he was maybe injured or something. I mean, we haven't even heard anything about it. But Miro's been looking much better. We'll see what this goes with. Because what's Miro going to do now? He's the best man of the wedding. So what happens when the wedding happens? He's no longer the best man. So I think this is kind of the blow-off of what... Maybe we're going to see where Miro's going to go next. Is he going to be the one to cause the shenanigans? Is he going to be the one that gets married to Penelope Ford? No, I think <laughs> no. <it's>, uh, <laughs> what the was, hell? He's already married. I forgot. Oh my gosh. Even though I just plugged it five minutes ago. But regarding this, I I think this is going to be actually the payoff to see what Miro's going to do next. Because we talked about how he came in because he might have been a little rusty, hadn't been working on the WWE for a while. You have a totally different style of wrestler, totally different style of match. He has to come in and get acclimated. He's doing a nice job. I really liked his match two weeks ago. I thought he looked a lot better than he did before. No, he's really getting into the groove, as we've been saying, with the... AEW roster, and I know at first the the, the storyline was a little odd, and it took a moment to get acclimated to, but like it, they're in full swing here. But you can tell Miro's completely comfortable in what he's doing. Yeah. He, he really is. This is who he is. This is kind of how he's behaving. It, it, it's, it's good stuff. Obviously, Miro's outfits have been excellent. I think in regards to the wedding, as you said, it's going to be shenanigans top down, but it's what's going to come out of this. What's going to be the payoff? Is it a direction for Miro? Is it a direction for Kip? Is it going to be a Trent Beretta return? We don't know. I, we hope so. I think that's what this is going to be driving for. It's going to be entertaining, going to be funny, it's going to be ridiculous. But, but yeah, huge story implications. I, I think it's definitely going to have ramifications longer. What comes out of this, I think, is going to be more imperative than what occurs during. But talking about what comes out of this, I'd like to segue into the Thunder Rosa-Britt Baker match. Yes, another one with huge story implications. Uh, finally, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, singles action. Uh, we've been waiting a really long time for this one. I think we all have. Yeah. And I, obviously you have two of your best women's wrestlers, and that, that, that's undeniable. Two of the, if Thunder Rosa is going to stay around AEW, some of the anchors of the women's division. You have Hikaru Shida, you have Riho, you have Nyla Rose, you have Britt Baker, you have Thunder Rosa. These are kind of the the anchors, the, the pillars of the women's division. They kind of wrestle around them, through them, because they're the ones that have given you the most consistent work. So when you have Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa going at each other, and we've built this up for multiple months, 
this is the payoff. Obviously, we were supposed to have a payoff a month ago or so, right, at the New Year's Smash. But something occurred where we couldn't get to it. So we've kind of come along the lines here where it's kind of been similar, just kind of attacks from behind during, during in the ring, because I think they kind of ran out of ideas, unfortunately. And they had a lot of stories with Britt Baker kind of hosting... The waiting room. The waiting room and having Cody and obviously Jade Cargill. I think that was all part of the plan. That was all part of the script here. So I, I think... Obviously, Red Velvet, as, as Cody had announced this past week with Arn Anderson, was kind of like the replacement for Brandy. So it's kind of like Brandy's chosen hand, I guess you Protégé? could say. Protégé? Yeah, that, 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 I think, I believe Cody was kind of insinuating that like this was the person Brandy wanted to represent her. She, I like her a lot, Red Velvet. Yeah, Red Velvet has... A lot of character. We saw her on Dark, and she has a lot of energy. She moves really well. She's small, though. She kind of reminds me of uh, Zelina Vega, who is she's got like, Trinidad. She's got, like, this, like, sp- like, ener- like you said, energy, this, like, spunk and attitude about her. Like, she's a, little, she's a force to be reckoned with, and I, I like the pairing with Cody, and I think uh, her versus, or the two of them versus Jade and Shaq, uh, that's, I think that'll be cool. I... Agree. I mean, I, we'll see what goes on with Shaq. I, I mean, I kind of thought of it, you know, if you remember a couple of years ago, even WCW was kind of, you know, you had Carl Malone going up against Dennis Rodman, but it really wasn't that. It was a representative also with them in the corner. So you kind of had Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan, and you had Carl uh, Malone and Diamond Dallas Page. So regarding the Shaq, is Shaq going to wrestle and compete similar to what he did in WWE, if he did that, I, I can't remember back with Big Show, that was like 10 years ago. But if this is going to be the case, is he actually going to work at 50 years old now? I mean, he's a big man. He played basketball for 20 years. Or like, uh, or is he going to have a representative? Like, yeah. Is he going to have a wrestler who kind of comes to his aid, comes to his corner to support in the match against Cody? And I guess this is kind of gearing up toward revolution. This is not a beach break match. No, this is this is happening at... Happening at Revolution. Right. So maybe we're going to get some more reveals. It's a big show. So maybe we're going to get a reveal of what's going to happen with Shaq. Maybe Shaq will be there. We have no idea. But keeping in um, in the realm of the women's division, we've got the AEW Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament coming up, and Riho is returning. Riho Are versus... we having any matches on this show with that tournament? I do not believe so. I don't think they've announced a date yet. It's just coming soon. But we will be getting Riho versus Serena Deeb. Which, again, is kind of counterproductive or counterintuitive, in in essence, to what Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker are fighting for. Because I feel like the two of them are competing as a top-of-the-class of the women's division, I really figured or assumed, and I, I should not have assumed, it's possible they could also be in the tournament. But... I assumed that the winner of the Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker match was going to end up being the number one contender. I just expected it to be Britt Baker. Well, you're not necessarily wrong. I, they haven't they haven't finalized the tournament details yet. There's no exact date set. So who's to say that the winner of Thunder Rosa versus Dr. Britt doesn't go on to Revolution to face Sheeta? And then the winner of that match is obviously the champion, and the winner of the tournament faces that woman. 
I mean, it could be possible to kind of elongate story, which AEW tends to do. So, I mean, it's possible you kind of set up the next two challengers, which is essentially what the Royal Rumble does in essence. You have the Royal Rumble, and obviously you're going to WrestleMania, but you always had the Elimination Chamber stuck in between, which was kind of, well, was always kind of no way out. But, you know, you had the Elimination Chamber, which I was a big fan of, in between, where titles could change in route to WrestleMania. So the main events of WrestleMania could, could be altered essentially between January and March, January and April. So, in essence, with this tournament, it doesn't have to be, you're right, it doesn't have to be for Revolution. People could be expecting to face Hikaru Shida coming out of the tournament, and it could end up being Britt Baker. Yeah, I mean, time time will soon tell, but super excited that we're finally getting this, this blow-off match between Britt and Thunder Rosa, and I'm really excited that Riho's going to be back. I think yeah, this I is going to be great Riho. for... For the women's division and her versus Serena Deeb, I mean that, that's a we match. We talked about Serena Deeb yeah. being the MVP. So, so Riho versus Serena Deeb, I think, is essential like to the women's big, division. Good television match, match also. There. But I really was kind of looking forward to Britt Baker versus Karoshita. I, I kind of am ready for Britt Baker to be the women's champion. The character kind of follows it. I think this has got to come sooner rather than later. I know, and I know, I know that throughout the entire duration of the year, Britt Baker's had numerous title matches. It doesn't feel like that because the year has felt long because AEW has done a nice job of really diversifying the palette where it makes it feel like a lot of things have happened within one year. But Britt Baker's had a numerous amount of title matches. But it just feels like Britt Baker is going to be the one that takes the title from Hikaru Shida. And she still could be. She still could be. But nonetheless, I, I think this bodes well for the division as a whole and I'm excited to see how this tournament shapes up. Well, I think it compliments a lot of fans also because they're looking forward to seeing more women's matches and they talk about it every week. So I think now you have a full, full-blown full tournament. You have major implications, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker. Winner, I'm assuming, of the tournament or vice versa. We don't actually even know. Hikaru Shida will definitely be defending the title on the pay-per-view. I'm sure that'll be the case. So a lot of women's wrestling now coming in February. And you know what? We could, we could very well have the finals at Revolution like they did with the AEW World Title Eliminator at Full Gear. Completely correct. So, very, very exciting there. Something else, though, that we will be looking forward to at Beach Break is Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston in a Lumberjack match. So it kind of makes sense. If, if any Lumberjack match has ever really made sense, it's kind of this one. Even though Lance Archer's team, which is the Lucha Brothers, is kind of wrestling in the main event of the match. I mean, I don't want to call them as Lance Archer's team, but they're kind of aligned. Pack Allies. And, yeah, Fenix and, and Penta. They're all kind of together. You have Butcher and Blade, and you have Bunny, who are kind of, again, with Eddie Kingston. And again, this is an inter-familial battle. And it makes sense to actually have a lumberjack match because you have enough individuals to kind of surround the ring. And even on top of that, you have bad blood of those who are outside the ring. Yet, I just don't know if they're going to be doing it with Pac and FedEx outside the ring, knowing they have a six-man main event on the same evening. So I wonder if they're just going to kind of throw away it. And I'm, like, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of it, because they did a really nice lumberjack match with uh, Wardlow and Luchasaurus. But, and I'm, not, I'm sure the match quality will be very high, but I'm meaning, regarding the story, it just makes sense to have their teams as the guys outside the ring. So if those individuals are not going to take part in this specific endeavor, then doesn't that lose kind of what the credibility or the story of the Lumberjack purpose is between Archer and Kingston? I know that was a lot to digest, and I kind of just went over it, but that was something that I had thought about was, 
why are we not getting, or maybe we aren't, I, I'm just speculating here, because again, this is a preview show, this is a, a prediction, I guess, show for Beach Break on Wednesday. I know it's a lot of to digest, and I apologize, but I'm saying, I, I think as a blood feud, which this was an inter-family cut, it was a deep cut that Pac had returned and removed the Lucha Brothers, and Eddie Kingston kind of exiled them out of his team, and jumped them from behind, and you saw that, obviously, it, it's just kind of lowers, I guess, the expectations, not for the quality of the match, but for the, the the visceral aspect of this story that Eddie Kingston has done so well and that Lance Archer is getting an opportunity to wrestle on a major show again because we haven't seen him in a hot minute really wrestle, and yet we're getting a lumberjack match. Well, this, you know, I think the purpose of this is to avoid the shenanigans because Kingston beat Archer last week. Maybe maybe a way to avoid the shenanigans yeah. would be to put them in a steel cage. Oh uh, well. I listen. I get it. Or have a street fight of some sort. I, you know what? Just 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 blow the shenanigans. Uh, you know, obviously you can't do that. You have in Ricky Starks and you have in Brian Cage wrestling at the pay per view in in that in that street fight match or against Sting and Darby Allen. So you can't really kind of, I guess, repeat matchups. But. Or, or stipulations, I'm sorry. But, you know, regarding this match, it's obviously, it feels like we've been building to it. We obviously had this kind of blowout, in a sense, last week. We're, we're replicating it this week for Beach Break, and this time it has a stipulation. I just feel like maybe it could have had a deeper stipulation than that regarding the fact that his teammates are wrestling in the main event, and I don't think that they should be on the side of this ring because they have a major matchup. Well, maybe, but maybe they won't be. Maybe we won't have the, you know, uh, Eddie Kingston's family there either because they got involved in the match last week. So maybe it's a way to keep everyone else at bay, the outsiders. I hear you, but that's why I kind of followed up with, like, why not a steel cage? Keeps everybody out, right? I I mean, maybe they don't want to do a steel cage because of COVID. But, I mean, they've done blood spots before, so I, I just... Maybe they don't have a way to set it up, but I mean... It I don't know, maybe that'll no happen idea. at Revolution. Maybe they can't drop it down from the ceiling, which is what they want to do. I think they have strategically used their Lumberjack matches throughout AEW's history, and I am excited for this I, one. I have no problem with the stipulation. I love stipulation matches, but... But you are right. I just kind of had some questions about it. But we'll see Billy Gunn in the Gun Club, I'm sure. In the same spot, but they'll probably be Lumberjacks as well. And I'm, 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 for some reason... I love seeing Billy Gunn on television, so just go with whatever that is. Moving moving right along, though, we will be having the Tag Team Battle Royale, which will be featuring the teams of Top Flight, The Acclaimed, Private Party, Jurassic Express, Sammy Hager, Santana and Ortiz, FTR, Jericho and MJF, the Dark Order of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, and the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks. And they're doing something that you really like, which is if the Young Bucks win, they get to choose their opponents at Revolution. So it's kind of a tactic that you may utilize or I've utilized before, and it's kind of a cheap little utilization that when you didn't have enough individuals on the roster or you didn't have enough wrestlers on a show... When you had scheduled a tournament and you had a lot of no-shows or vice versa, it's it kind of helps when you have the tag team champions in addition in a battle royal or a tournament because it were any champion 
Well, it's Regardless. like, a, they it's do like it the G1, in the G1 yeah. too, yeah. It does help the quality of the content. You're adding in a major focal point, a major team that has a championship, and I'm sure the reason why they have a championship in the first place is because they're very good wrestlers. And in this regard, it's the Young Bucks. So, I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than that. So you add the Young Bucks to this big, diverse cast of characters in a battle royal, and I think the match just immediately gets enhanced. So I'm not saying it's kind of a cheap tactic, but it's definitely a tactic that I've used before. But in the past, I've never had a tag team champion or world champion win before that then picked their opponent. So it could be interesting if the Young Bucks actually do it. Yeah, that added step always just, it spices it up. You don't expect them to win. No, you don't. I I think that's the purpose of it. It's kind of weird because of the champions. Wouldn't you expect the champions to be the best ones, the ones that should win the match? But I've never booked it that way. But in this instance, like, no, they're not going to win. Right, and I never remembered it being booked that way anywhere else. So it's kind of maybe they will and throw a curveball for everybody. Yeah. Regarding this, there's a lot going on here. Private Party, number one contenders for the Impact World Championships. Tag Team Championships. But Private Party, the number one contenders for the Impact World Tag Team Championships, are going to be in this match potentially competing at Revolution against the Young Bucks. Then you have the Young Bucks who can essentially pick anybody, including the Impact World Tag Team Champion Good Brothers, if they so chose. So you have Impact involved in this deeply. This is kind of entrenching both of these organizations. Then you follow that up with the fact that you have FTR and Jurassic Express who have been kind of going at it in their blood feud over the past two months. So there are a lot of pieces here. You have you have wild cards like Top Flight. Could Top Flight get another opportunity at a tag team championship? Probably not. But nonetheless, it's possible they could end up going to Revolution. Is SCU in this match? No, they're not. I, I was Makes just going to say, okay. you don't have SCU, you don't have TH2, but you have the entire inner circle minus Wardlow. Um you know, continuing to build their animosity. And... We'll see what the inner circle ends up doing come Revolution. Yeah. Let's see if it ends up being something like where some guys are going to break apart. I, I wouldn't well, even I guess go right against there, it. there, is it going to be Jericho and MJF winning? It's it's possible. But I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't put it against them to kind of even do another triple threat tag match with a pay-per-view. Just make it a better one. Proud and Powerful are in this match, so that's, that's worth noting. Um... Yeah, proud and powerful. Obviously, Sammy Hager, which is not a person this time. It's Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager yes. and MJF and Jericho. So obviously, three of those individuals in it. But SCU makes sense. I mean, it just makes sense. You, they're, if they lose, they got to break up. They said, I, I know that Kaz, I guess it was Kaz kind of said, hey, it has to be a traditional tag team match. I get it. But, you know, you don't want fans to be like, hey, you, you know, you, you fucking lost. And it's like, uh, yeah, keep I get it. Keep the continuity. Keep keep the story going. Right. Yeah, you're exactly. right. Exactly. You don't want fans to say that and be we like, you know, it's a fucking there. battle royal. So, I mean, you know, but nonetheless, I think it's the right, it's the right people. You have very legitimate contenders. I wonder if they're all in the top 10. Is there like 10, 10 teams? Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, ten, 10 teams. So maybe it's the top 10 of the rankings. Even though we only see five, maybe it's like the top 10 of the rankings of AEW. So I, it, that, that's possible. It's possible. But nonetheless, you put all these tag teams together. Obviously, it's not a tournament. It's a battle royal. It's not a gauntlet. It's not a turmoil. It's a battle royal. So it's not going to be one after the other. It's going to be everybody in the ring at one time, and let's throw these guys out. It's going to be like what we saw... I believe it was in Atlanta, right? When maybe it wasn't in Atlanta. No, I think it was. It was in Atlanta. Where the the Bucks won to go under Revolution last year. Ah, it's this time of year. Makes um, sense. Yeah. So it, maybe it was Atlanta 
because we had a correspondent in Atlanta. That was when Sammy Guevara got his face kicked off. Oh my goodness! But when yes. one when one member of the team was eliminated, it did not eliminate the entire team. Yes. Yep. So that those are going to be imperative rules. Yeah. That's going to be something to really pay attention to in this match. We love tag team action. It's not quite a tournament, like you said. It's not a gauntlet, but okay. we will take what we can get. The Battle Royal last year was great. So it was. I mean, this was this will be fine. And on top of that, it builds out the length of time. If you need if you need this match to take up twenty minutes because you have ten of the best tag teams, when you do single eliminations or double eliminations, I guess technically. So if you do double eliminations where you have to remove both members of the team in order to eliminate the team, it'll definitely fill your spot of twenty minutes on television. Because according to this right now, there's only four matches on the beach break card. Yeah, we're about to move into the the main event of the night, but it, we are still a couple days out, so things could because change. It's possible, things could we, be added. We have no idea what Cody's doing yet. And we obviously talked about that a little earlier about Shaq potentially having Jade Cargill come back. So obviously Cody's going to have something to do with Beach Break. You have no idea what Hangman Page is doing on this card. There's no Dark Order being involved. Besides we don't the have tag much, team. Right, but we don't have much Team Taz. We don't have much Darby Allen. So, I mean, obviously all those things have to play a role here because normally they do. They're a regular part of our weekly episodic programming on AEW. So... We'll see a lot of those guys, I'm sure, in action also if it's not wrestling or if it's just story-related. But Beach Break feels good, and we're running into what the main event is. And many people may feel like on a big show, a six-man tag match is not a big-time match. And I completely disagree. Well, I think uh, AEW has, has shown us that you know there is, there is strength and... Uh, value in these multi-men matches and the main event of beach break will be AEW world champion kenny omega and the impact tag team champions the good brothers versus the mox man and fenix and pack which is almost essentially what they did at the hard to kill which was another six-man tag against impact's best group so it's kind of like in their own way kenny omega is kind of running his own group here and it's like he's he's terrorizing, in essence, Impact and Dynamite. So now he's going up against the best that Dynamite has to offer, which is essentially Pac Fenix, who won the award for Best Luchador, which is one of the, also the reasons why we decided to do the preview, because we thought it was going to be an award show last week. And they just kind of gave the awards out on Bleach Report, never think, mentioned it again, and that was it. I think that was a misunderstanding on... On my part, but yeah, Ray Ray Fenix was the um, best high flyer, not Nick Jackson. Actually, he is. The guy, what the guy does on the ropes is tremendous. He's the best high flyer on their entire roster. Don't get, she's looking at me. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Ugh. But regardless, we gear up for this main event, which is kind of, what are we going to do with Kenny Omega after this is over? It feels like at Revolution, we're going to have Kenny Omega versus John Moxley one more time. Big time matchup, pay-per-view quality match. I'm not going to be completely against the fact if John Moxley wanted the belt back for the second time. It's not going to happen. They're in the middle of this story. It's not going to happen, but I'm not going to be against it. I wouldn't be against it. Well... Kind of jumping ahead to our New Japan action, but Kent has been t teasing it on Twitter. 
Uh, Kenta versus Mox is finally going to be happening for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship uh, February 26th on New Japan Strong. Do we get a Kenta run-in on Dynamite? It's possible. But it's February 26th, which is, I believe, the weekend, my brother's birthday, but it's the weekend prior to the event given. It's a Friday night, which is a Saturday... No, it's a Friday night. Mm -hmm. Which would be... One week or so prior to the Revolution show. Yeah, because that got moved to March 7th, right? Correct. Yeah. So, John Moxley could be going into, and should be, respectively, going into Revolution without the IWGP US title. It's, it's time to... It's time, yes. Yeah. It's time. So, if he's going up against Kenny Omega one more time, I'm not saying that this shouldn't be a title change. I, again, we talk about how AEW seems pretty driven on our titles. Our main world titles are going to be consistently long championship reigns. It's something that because they've started, Drop Archer and Kingston don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not regarding them, but they kind of started to gear a lot of their stories toward the champions. So now it kind of becomes imperative that the championship matches or the title belts become more relevant regarding the movement. Because if you're going to focus your stories heavily on the champions and the championship matches, which they've done, and in the past they didn't, circa Moxley and Omega main eventing Full Gear 2019, 2019, you kind of have to have title changes. I know, but it, the Kenny Omega one's too short. You want it in December. It's like the first pay-per-view. He really hasn't even defended it yet. I mean, it's 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 too soon. It feels longer than it's been. Yeah. But you're right. It is it is still too but soon. I, I'm not I'm not totally against Kenny Omega not making it past double or nothing. Because, I mean, you're talking about another two full months, two and a half months to the next pay-per-view, which is March 7th, probably to the Memorial Day weekend of double or nothing. I... I I'm not going to tell you. Memorial Day weekend is, I believe, the last weekend in May. Like, we go right into June. So, so you it's almost late. get three months. Yeah. yeah. So you almost get three months from Revolution to Double or Nothing. But I, I'm not going to be completely against a title change at that point. Because I think it's kind of imperative that you need to start changing the championships if that's going to be the main story. Because when a guy drops out, I'm glad that they've been able to utilize John Moxley and get him back in, but if John Moxley doesn't win, if John Moxley doesn't get the world championship off of Kenny Omega at Revolution, which I don't think is going to happen, but if he doesn't get the world championship off of Kenny Omega at Revolution, what the hell does John Moxley do? No, that's it, exactly. Championships aren't everything. You know, there's there's different types of feuds and stories you can have, but at the end of the day, if you're not really competing for the title or, or winning the title. It's like, what What are you now, fighting heels for? Heels can fight heels and faces can fight faces. Of and, course. And, and, and no, heels it's, and they're faces, not everything. They the don't championships matter. are not everything. No, it, it, I'm saying, like, for John Moxley, who the hell does he face? You, it's like, in AEW, there's just not enough faces right now. You have Cody, who's kind of a face, but he's kind of an asshole at the same time. That's like the way he portrays on television. He's kind of cocky with himself. You have John Moxley, who's clearly the biggest baby face in the organization. You have Hangman Page, who's kind of tweening between everything. He doesn't know where he belongs. He's very he doesn't know, and it's kind of like, that's it. You got Darby Allen and Sting. 
And that was why I was going to go on about Powerhouse Hobbs, where I really felt like you took a guy, a big guy, an interesting guy, and you put him as a babyface helping Darby Allen, introduced by John Moxley, turning against those individuals where there's not enough faces. And now he became kind of the third wheel of Team Taz and doesn't feel like he has the personality anymore. And that hurt. Because I was all on the Powerhouse Hobbs train. I thought he was going to be a... He's a big, strong, powerful guy who was getting over naturally as a babyface. You introduced him as a new guy, and people were actually supporting him. And you altered that because you committed to the plan you had originally set up or established, which was that the way to get him over was to team him with other guys like Starks and Cage and Taz, but he didn't need that. It actually got over on his own. And now you are lacking so many baby faces because how can you tell me, in essence, you look at Pac and go, yeah, that guy's a face. Because he's, he's naturally the bastard Pac. He's not a face. And now he's going he's gonna to team up with John Moxley getting back to the main event against the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega, who are clearly not good guys. Kenny Omega's character, like I said, is kind of like disassociation from everything, wants his friends, wants to hang out, wants his cake and eat it too. Don Callis doesn't want the Young Bucks around. That's a good story. But then you got John Moxley, you have Pac, and you have Ray Phoenix. Obviously, we heard that Penta wasn't around or, or whatever it was, so they've kind of been not using him and, you know, whatever, and hopefully he can get his his stuff situated so he can get back on television again. But with Moxley and Phoenix, what do you do with these guys? Pac's a face. Phoenix is a singles competitor. Moxley is lost now after Revolution, let's say. And what do you do with Moxley as a babyface? Who does he go up against? Cody? Adam Page? It doesn't, it does, that doesn't make sense. He's, I'd like to see it, but it doesn't make sense. He's already wrestled Archer. Because they've taken all the big guys, made them bad guys. So it kind of tells its own story. You've know, you got to go up against the monster. He's faced Brian Cage, faced Archer, faced Kingston, faced all these guys. The only guy, Hager. The, faced Hager. The only guys left are like Adam Page. Adam Page versus Moxley is going to sell money, print money. Wardlow. Well, I mean, you, come on, Ash. Big money. You got you, you can't bl- you can't blow your load right now. You keep Wardlow. Just slowly. That's if the future. We, we get the, did we get no Wardlow next week? The no fuck one is said this? we're gonna see Wardlow next week. On the sidelines. Yeah, but in a suit. Looking good. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. But regarding this six-man tag, of course this has to end in shenanigans. you got the Young Bucks, I'm sure, who could potentially be picking their tag team. Could Pac have geared up now after, let's say, for example, after Moxie loses a revolution, could it be Pac versus Kenny Omega? But it kind of sucks for Pac because then you kind of feel like maybe he's not going to win the title. The next champion after Kenny Omega, if it's not going to be John Moxley, just feels like it has to be Adam Page. Yeah. But do you think, and again, this is fan participation, for those getting ready for Beach Break, massive six-man tag team match, are you guys ready for a full year-long championship reign of Kenny Omega if this is what happens? Regarding this elite club, as they're calling it, because they're calling it Bullet Club or everybody else calling it Bullet Club. Moxley goes, I don't know what the hell they are. I don't give a shit. Bullet Club, elite, bootleg. Bootleg. Whatever. If you want to go across, it's the bootleg elite Bullet Club. <laughs> But that's across the board of all the names. But is this really going to be a nine-month duration? 
Are we going to see a full nine-month rotation of Kenny Omega as the world champion, defeating essentially the same guys that John Moxley just went through? Brian Cage, Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston, Pack. Are these going to be the same thing? It's nearly as long as the tag team championship reign. But that's what, and it's something that I'm saying is that you kind of have the same redundant routine that maybe at Revolution we can kind of have a swerve. Well, the thing is, as we've talked about before, you can always get it back. You can always get the championship back, and I'm actually surprised. Now, Jericho is far deep in the inner circle. He's got his own interminglings. I'm actually surprised that Jericho has not been in the world title picture whatsoever since he lost which is over a year, just has not been put back in that in any way. But at right now, I, over the, the course of of the year, I don't feel that we needed it. Well, but... Jericho, Jericho did what I think we kind of hoped he would do. He wrestled Adam Page, their biggest star. He wrestled like a, Cody, like their biggest star. of the torch, in right. a sense. He wrestled John Moxley, their biggest star. He wrestled Omega at Double or Nothing, their biggest star. So yeah. he, you took the pillars of the men's For division. Sure. And you had Jericho facing them in marquee matchups throughout the year, which was Arguably just, the just fantastic strategic. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's great strategic television. Their biggest star at the time, introducing a Double or Nothing, going up against the pillars of the men's division. And now potentially could have MJF and Jericho facing the Young Bucks, which would be completely full circle. Every pillar of those divisions. Ooh, good point. That's a good point. And you look at kind of like Britt Baker, and she's kind of faced everybody also. She's You look at the women's division, it's like the you know Britt Baker's kind of gone up against Takara Shida and Riho, and they, she's been also that kind of like that big marquee matchup. Thunder Rosa now, Britt Baker. Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker. Riho, Britt Baker. Like, you've kind of seen her do the same thing. She's the marquee matchup. Yeah, she's the face of the women's division. In essence, yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. I think she's she's she is taking it in stride. But with Jericho, I'd like to see him do some more serious main event level stuff rather than doing what he's doing now because I think it just leaves a it leaves a deficit of where they need to kind of establish. And, you know, you say, hey, well, we can establish a young star. They have it. They have arguably the biggest and best young star in the business, and they have him in Adam Page. And he's a wandering, lonely cowboy on the desert on a horse with no name. This guy, there was nobody more over than Adam Page before the pandemic. Guy was drinking people's beers. Cowboy shit was over, man. This is the biggest young star in the business. The guy is sub-30. You're talking about young individuals. He's sub-30. He's put on tremendous matches, and he's the future of AEW. And he doesn't have anything going on at all. You are gearing up to a pay-per-view event. And Adam Page, who is a pillar, who was the main event of All Out 2019, has no momentum going into a pay-per-view. Just doesn't make sense. He's got to join Dark Order. Well, I think, unfortunately... May he rest in peace. I, I believe they were going to be gearing up with Paige versus Brody Lee. Which kind of you can kind of see that. Yeah. On, on you know on, that yeah. would have been a big match. So for sure, I think unfortunately, regarding the storylines, that you don't want to put Paige into a situation where it feels like you're disrespecting Brody Lee in any way. No, no, no. Of so, course not. I, I mean by like you know making him face somebody else. Maybe he'll face John Silver come up soon or or, or something. But. You know, right now, they, they kind of have a touchy situation where what do you do with the Dark Order? 
you can never make a leader the level that Brody Lee was, but you could maybe change the direction of Dark Order and kind of get somebody else that kind of is in charge here. You can never go back to what you had. No, but I, I'm glad that they are still carrying on because the Dark Order like wouldn't have been what it is without Mr. Brody Lee, and I feel like it would and have now been... now they've sold it as a story, as a family. Yeah. And they're, they're a unit that was brought together and bonded by Brody Lee, and it's a great television story, and I think it, it's really imperative that they do this. For sure. But the question is, and I'm and, and they may not have the answer to this, and, and that's something that's okay. As, as a booker right now, that's okay. I They may not have an end goal here, okay? End game in regarding what to do with Dark Order. But right now you don't. Like, but I it's feel okay. Like, you don't like need I it. said, it's right just, now yeah. it's okay. We're just going to kind of let the emotions ride and do what feels right. Yeah. And that's 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 the right move. But with Adam Page, unfortunately, if that was the gear up, which would have been such a great match, what do we do now? I don't want to see him go to Impact. I'm sorry. I mean, he's like we said. I drew my battle lines. I picked AEW. I didn't pick Impact. I don't want to see Adam Page over on Impact. I don't. I don't want to do this. Like, I he needs very he needs big time shit right now. Okay, and I just don't feel like he's getting that. But we kind of dissected all of this. The main event, big six-man tag match, could potentially have shenanigans. You have Pac and you have Fenix. Obviously, Penta's not around, so what's going to happen with Pac? What's going to happen with Moxley? Are they going to gear up for Revolution? What's going to happen with the Good Brothers and Don Callis? On paper, this main event six-man tag match looks fantastic. For sure. And, you know, I some people are kind of hating on the Good Brothers, whatever. I mean, this match looks great on paper. This match is big time. you got big time stars. This is what you have... In the main event of your beach break on television, this is good stuff. And I think the implications for this for the next couple of weeks gearing up to Revolution are going to be good. I agree. And I continue to hold out hope that we get more Bullet Club with Kenta. Which is very possible. So we want to thank everybody for (laughs) joining us on our preview run for what is beach break and what could potentially be Revolution. Wanted to change it up a little bit. Kind of do a little preview rather than a review because we also kind of expected an awards show and it kind of became not an awards show. We made the decision, you know what, we got a huge show next week. We haven't done a preview show in a minute, so let's do a preview show. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, of course, guys, let us know what you think. If if you like the preview as opposed to the review or you want us to start doing more of both, uh, you know, let us know what you what you want uh let us know what you want to see from us. Uh, we're we're here for you. But with that, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, hope you're doing well, staying safe, wearing your masks, and staying warm. If you got hit by the snowstorm the past couple days. Yeah, unless you're in Australia, which I believe is summertime. Isn't that how that works? Isn't like the southern hemisphere summertime? Or like, isn't it like flip? I think so. So, like, they're in the summer, we're in the Australian snow. friends. <laughs> Fan participation only from Australia. Even if you're in the summer right now, we don't care. Not if you're from Australia. Just so, Australia. Just Australians. We are at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, at Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram, Dojo and Dynamite at gmail.com. And we will be back later this week with another episode. Thanks, guys.